Hello, my name is P. Andrew Sandlin, and I am the founder and president of the Center for Cultural Leadership. This is a new podcast called Lordship Life, and it's designed specifically for uh, young adults between the ages of, say, oh, 12 and uh, 18 or 19. If that's you in particular, uh, please listen up. If you're outside that range of ages, that's all right. You might benefit from things I have to say. The podcast is called Lordship Life for a Reason, and that's what this first podcast is all about. I'm going to begin by reading from the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. Have you ever been lied to? I'm certain that you have. All of us have been, and we've all told lies, haven't we? Uh, The most disappointing uh, times that we've been lied to are when someone perhaps makes a promise to us. Maybe a relative or friend promises to come visit us or to bring us a gift or to see us, and he or she doesn't do that. And uh, we feel very sad because of that. We're profoundly disappointed. Sometimes the disappointment from the lie is so big that it uh, can scar almost our entire life. This happens when we're small children. Perhaps a parent lies to us and doesn't come through on something, and we never seem to forget it. Well, it isn't just people that lie sometimes. Uh, It's also people working together as a society uh, that tells a lie. For instance, one of the great lies of uh, our society is uh, the lie of uh, Darwinism and evolution, that uh, man evolved from apes, and therefore that we are just a higher form of animal. That's a lie, because the Bible tells us that we were created in the image of God, and that Adam and Eve, actual human beings, were the first man and the first woman. But I want to concentrate on another lie that's perhaps even more relevant to you today, Perhaps the greatest lie in our society, and it's one that you have heard. I'm not saying that somebody specifically said this to you. I'm saying that people sort of assume this, and therefore you believe it. It is this lie, that you are autonomous. Uh, Now, autonomous or autonomy, what does that mean? Well, it comes really from two words, auto meaning self, and nomos meaning law. It means self-law, or that we are a law to ourselves, or basically, that we get to decide how we live our lives. We get to decide what is right or wrong. We get to decide what our dreams are, and no one should stand in the way. This is the great lie of our times. Now, you remember that I read in the scripture, the writer at that time, the Apostle Paul, said something very profound. He said, we are not our own. He's talking to Christians, of course. He says, we are not our own because we've been bought with a price. What does he mean by that, we have been bought with a price? Well, the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ bought us when he died on the cross. We need to step back for a minute and discuss the context of that. Uh, The Bible says that God created man and woman, as I mentioned earlier, Adam and Eve, created them in his image. And he put them in a beautiful and uh, lush garden and gave them everything they would ever need. 
and he only uh, prohibited to them one thing, and that is to eat of a particular tree. They could do anything else. Sadly, however, uh, Satan in the form of a serpent came and uh, deceived them. Haha, there's another lie. The Bible says Satan is a liar from the beginning. And uh, Eve and Adam were both deceived by Satan, and they sinned against God. Sin is breaking God's law. Now think of that for a minute. There was only one thing they were prohibited from doing, and that's the one thing that they did. They wanted to have autonomy at all costs. And that actually was Satan's appeal. If you go back and read Genesis 3, the serpent says, and I'm kind of summarizing here, but he says, you should make up your own minds. Why should you listen to God's rules? God's being unkind to you. He doesn't have your best interest at heart. So why don't you do what you want to do and eat this fruit? Because uh, God, uh, he, God doesn't want you to eat it. Because if you do, you'll become like him and have this vast knowledge and you'll have things you don't have. And that's how Adam and Eve were seduced into sinning. They believed that great lie that things would be better if they were autonomous. And of course, as a result of that, God cursed the man and the woman in the ground. But he also made a great promise. This is what's called God's grace his kindness to us, despite the fact that we don't deserve it, that he would send his son that would crush the head of the serpent. That's a metaphor, of course, but it means he would destroy Satan's power. And, of course, our Lord did that on the cross and when he rose again. Now, when he did that, according to Paul, he bought us with a price. What does that mean, that he bought us with a price? It means that because we were under judgment, somebody had to pay the price for our sin. You see, we stand under God's judgment because of our sin, and every person who is not trusted in Jesus Christ stands under God's judgment because sin is a very terrible thing. Uh, sin is violating God's lovely, beautiful, and holy law, and God judges those who violate his law. But he's made this way of avoiding the judgment, and that is he took the judgment on himself. Jesus Christ suffered on the cross. He suffered the Father's judgment so that we wouldn't have to suffer. If we cast ourselves on him, then uh, we have salvation. And uh, we'll never have to suffer that eternal separation from God and his judgment because Jesus Christ suffered the judgment. But really, that's just another way of saying that he bought us. He paid a price for us, a very heavy price. All of this suffering he endured on the cross. And uh, dying for our sins, carrying them on him, he suffered for us. He bought us with a price. He bought us, though. Now think about that for a minute. He bought us. That means we belong to him. And that's really the main thing that I want to say and the main thing you need to understand. Uh, precisely because he bought us, we are his servants, his um, kind servants, uh, and uh, his blessed servants, but nonetheless his servants. Because of that, he owns us. If I buy something, like um, a pen or a computer or a baseball glove, or uh, if you're a young lady, you buy a dress, an item of clothing or whatever, it belongs to you because you paid something for it. Well, we belong to Jesus Christ because he paid something for us. And therefore, remember what the scripture said, that we're to glorify God in our body, uh, spirit, and our body, which are God's. So because he bought us, he can tell us how to live our lives. 
we can't live them as we want to. We have no right to live as we want to live because we were headed for destruction and separation from God and judgment, but God in the great love of his heart sent his son who died, who paid the price, who bought us, and therefore now we are brought close to him and he tells us how to live and has a right to do that. But here's a remarkable truth. This isn't something heavy. Uh, This isn't like a terrible burden, a ball and chain you have to carry around. Because God's ways are always the best ways, not just for him, but also for us. God created his rules for man, for living in the world and in the universe, And he wants man to succeed and be filled with joy and hope and worship him. And therefore, his rules or way of doing things are the best for man and make man happy. Let's use another little metaphor. God's rules, God's truths given to us in his word, the Bible, are the software for running this great computer system we call the world. Think about that for a minute. If you want to break those rules... If you want to break the rules of the software, you'll end up breaking the software. Let's say that you have a word processing software, that is software on which you would write documents. Maybe some of your, some of your reports, your book reviews um, for school. I think you still do that, right? Well, what happens if you get on and say, well, I don't like that. I want to use this um, word processing software to, for gaming. Well, the problem is that it's not gaming software. And if you try to use it for gaming and try too hard, you'll break it. You'll destroy it. Well, that's what sin does. Sin is kind of like a virus in the software. And it destroys everything. Have you ever gotten a virus on your computer and it just starts breaking and messing things up and you can't do what you want to do? It's not fun. Well, that's what sin is. It's a virus. Well, the good news, let's take this metaphor one step further. The gospel is like God's antiviral program. The gospel is Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection. It's the good news that God has sent an antivirus program into the computer to destroy that virus so he could get things back to where everything will run smoothly. You want your life rather to run smoothly and with great rejoicing and joy than follow God's ways. Running smoothly doesn't mean everything will always be easy. I mean that God will always be with you and you can always live a life of hope and joy even despite hardships because we still live in a world that has sin, although that'll be gone one day when the Lord returns. I want to circle back around and say this and I'll be done. The great lie of the world is you can be autonomous. You're a law to yourself. You can turn 18 and do anything you want to do. Now, There are a number of ways that's true. One of the ways is, well, you don't have to be a member of the people of God or the church. This business of going to church is something that's just traditional, and it's not for you, and as soon as you can, you can leave. Actually, that's autonomy. You don't have a right to do what you want to do. You're called to be part of the people of God. This is true also of marriage, that you can marry anybody you want to, a person that you just happen to feel close to. Uh, Marriage is a wonderful thing, and you should marry a person that you get along with well. But uh, the main thing is that person belongs to Jesus Christ. That person is a believer. The Bible commands that believers marry other believers, that is, Christians. But I want to concentrate on this third thing. The Bible says our body belongs to God. 
We live in a time of the sexual revolution, which began largely in the 1960s before all of you were born. The sexual revolution is basically any form of sex is all right. You can experiment and do just about anything as long as you don't hurt somebody else. So uh, sex before marriage, that's called premarital sex, is all right. And uh, sex with people of the same sex as you are, uh, men with men and women with women, is all right if you want to experiment with that. Or if you want to experiment with different people during sex, then go ahead and do that. And if you get married, it's all right to have sex with someone else, too. According to the Word of God, sex is a wonderful and a blessed thing, and it's so wonderful and blessed that it's designed for marriage. And the thing to understand is that bodies don't have sex, actually. People do. And because of that, this creates not just a physical union, but an emotional and intellectual and a spiritual union that's designed only for marriage. See, God's ways are the best ways. And if you create this union with all sorts of different people, you're actually leaving a part of yourself with them. A part of you that doesn't belong to them and they don't belong to you. That's how destructive this is. So there can't be any autonomy in sex and there can't be any autonomy in anything else. Why? Because we're not our own. We're bought with a price. God say is essentially saying, do things my way, because my way is the way that will lead you to happiness and joy. You want to be autonomous? Then you'll end up in destruction. You don't like my rules? Well, here's what you can do. You don't like my physical rules like the law of gravity? Fine, just climb up onto the uh, 10th story of a building, say, I don't like gravity, therefore I'm going to defy it. And you jump off the building, what's going to happen? Well, you're going to be a mangled, dead heap at the bottom because you can't violate God's physical laws and get away with it. You also can't violate God's spiritual laws and get away with it. It always leads to disaster. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Uh, That's a lesson today. I pray that you'll think about it and you'll do that. Give your life entirely to Jesus Christ and follow him and obey him all the days of your life. This is Lordship Life, and I'm P. Andrew Sandlin, founder and president of the Center for Culture Leadership. If you want to contact me, please do that. You can find me on uh, Facebook or on Twitter. Uh, Just send me a message.